This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Brenda Morris, CFO of various consumer product companies, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 319. Operations, you have engineers, project managers, and then you have corporate. Uh, often they're, they're segregated, they're siloed, uh, there's little interaction between the two. But I felt that there was good things that I could bring to them and things that they could teach me as well that could help both of us progress. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Matt Monzo, CFO of Triam Group, an electrical solutions provider with six offices on the East Coast. We speak to Matt about the competitive dynamics within his industry, how finance is driving efficiencies within the Triam organization, and why greater collaboration tops the list of this finance leader's ever-evolving priorities. We speak to Matt right after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. Where I was at for the prior 14 years, 
and very similar, great culture, great company, great ownership. So I felt like I fit in right away, um, and that's each of those, especially the first two companies that I worked for, really helped prepare me for where I am now and how I got to the CFO role. Did you use uh, an executive search uh, company along the way? Um, no, actually, I didn't. I was very fortunate that when I was with um, Alan Myers, the, the the current the CFO who was with the Triumph Group at the time actually reached out to me through LinkedIn. Uh, like I said, that the ownership was friendly and still is friendly to this day. And he had asked me if I was if be interested in talking to him. And I really was not interested in leaving Alan Myers, but I, I was promoted back to a corporate office. I didn't want to move my family back there again, so I decided I would drive two hours each way each day. And the only reason I agreed to talk to him is Triumph is only 25 minutes away from my home. So it was an easy solution. You arrive at Triumph, and what is the type of role you want to create for yourself? I, I wanted to be known as a collaborator, someone that's willing to work with all groups. Uh, when you come into positions often in this, this, step, this environment where you have you know, field operations, you have engineers, project managers, and then you have corporate. Uh, often they're, they're segregated, they're siloed, uh, there's little interaction between the two. But I felt that there was good things that I could bring to them and things that they could teach me as well that could help both of us progress. Now, in terms of the team, though, were there certain key hires that you've added since uh, during your tenure? Well, I was fortunate to really be gifted with some really talented people and people that really cared. Um, a lot of them weren't they, – they weren't trained up to the level where, where their capabilities were. So I did have to push a lot of them and, and educate and be patient, and I'm still doing that. But to me, if, if they have the right attitude, you know, they're, they're already fit in with the right culture, and they're intelligent, and they're willing to work, it's, that's much easier than trying to go out and find somebody that has the fit and, and all the other needs that you have for the position. So I was very lucky to have good people first, and then I could train them into the roles where they needed to be second. So how do you improve the skills of your team? How do you, is there a third party involved, or how do you go about doing this? Oftentimes, there is not a third party. Oftentimes, at least from my, my experience, we, we start with things that they, they don't know and things that would help them improve their own career. And we do a career path planning with them, find out you know where they want to be in their career, whether it be as a controller, whether it be as a treasurer, or some other role within the company. And then I work with them to develop it because at one time in my you know career, I probably filled that position with where they you know aspire to be. So I, I take the time to say, okay, well, what do you know? And I work with them incrementally, teaching them each of the, the objectives they need to meet before they can reach that position. And when we're currently in the process with several different people filling those roles, and we're not even filling those roles, but helping them achieve that opportunity. And so far, I've been very fortunate that, that the people that are, are interested in those positions, they have the ability. They just haven't yet acquired the skills, and that's something that I am teaching them. Now, when I say there isn't any third party, I have brought them to seminars. I have had webinars. I've done a lot to help introduce them to, to the areas that they need to see and often encourage them to go to outside um, educational opportunities, and they have taken that. So, yeah, there has been third party, but it's been primarily in-house training. Are any of the associations, are you very active in them? Have you networked with them in the past? Do you find value there? Yes, actually, I uh, I belong to CFMA, Construction Financial Managerial Association, and 
I'm on one of their teams, uh, their programming team, where we help develop different programs within um, CFMA for other people who are seeking opportunities. And they have a really good also webinar, webinar portal that we've used for when, when people say, I'd like to get to this level was a take, and then we, we segment all of the items and, and where they have to be. And I, and I search that portal, and I find that there's really good resources there that, that can help us. Uh, we're also really active in ABC and um, associated builders and construct uh, associated builders and contractors and i found that there's really good programs there that they offer as well whether they be seminars or webinars that have also helped um you know all my employees achieve where they want to get to when i try to understand more about the business and, and the types of services i you know, i can make some assumptions about uh, the electrical uh, contracting business but i'm sure there's Lots uh, that that generally isn't known. And uh, what what exactly would be this company's competitive edge today? It's interesting you say that. And, and it's interesting that you say that you, you, it's pretty easy to tell what an electrical service provider is, but not necessarily because Tram does um, multiple different um, things. They don't just do electrical construction. They, they started off the business uh, 53 years ago as an electrical contractor doing commercial and industrial work, but they've grown into several different um, segments of the industry. The, the, the electrical construction business is, has a comparable division that's just as large as them doing building automations. Uh, some people call them smart buildings. If you had a house, you might call it a smart house. But the, the smart buildings or, or the building automation They'll, they'll go in and they'll, they, we do all different kinds of functions within the, the building automations. We also have a division that does energy testing. If you remember when in the Super Bowl a number of years ago when the Ravens were in there, the Baltimore Ravens, and the, um, the lights went out and there was a long pause, well, our um, energy test division is at every single Baltimore Ravens game to control and regulate the power down there to make sure there isn't any issues there. And then we have a connectivity division, which is primarily a communications division and does a lot of things to help in the communication range. So there, there's a lot more to it than just electrical. And even within the, um, the building automations, there's several different divisions in there. There's, there's security, there's computer networking, there's a whole range of stuff that I, I wouldn't, if you had all day, I could probably explain it all to you. But um, you know, make just making a smart building, putting in a, a new system where it regulates the air conditioning, the lighting. You could have security, so you have access in. You know, you could have uh, you know video surveillance, whole whole, bunch, a whole array of, of um, things that make a smart building work. So what's what's unique about the Trian Group? What what exactly is the the advantage or the the competitive advantage you're you're working to improve? Um, oftentimes, when a contractor or an owner wants to either build or remodel uh, a building or you know any kind of any kind of operation, they have to get several different contractors on site to be able to do so. We we have a high voltage group as well, so we could run the high voltage line to the building. We could uh, put all the underground utilities in for the building. You know, we could put in um, you know the electrical, all the electrical lighting lights but we could put on all the computer networking uh like i said the building automation so it would put controls on top of the mechanicals to the, the building so it would control your heating and air conditioning and allow you from your computer if they give you access to be able to control the heating or air conditioning within you know your office or, or region of the building however it's structured 
So there, and, and then again, if you need security, you could have access cards to be able to get into certain uh, buildings or even within rooms within the building. So there's, there's a lot of things. We even have a solar division if you, if you uh, wanted to entertain solar. And I talked about communications. If you, know, you need a phone network or anything to do with any type of communications. So the, the competitive advantage is when companies want to have, you know, they want to bundle all this stuff together, it's cheaper for them to bundle it. Because you only have one set of management on site. You don't have six project managers from six different companies trying to put your phones in or your computer networking or your security or your electrical or your high voltage or what have you. Uh, we can combine all of them and put, them, put one resource on site to be able to manage all of it. And there's better coordination, so there isn't, you know, several different trade contractors, you know, it, running into each other trying to achieve whatever it is, you know, running conduit or, or wiring or whatever it is for the building. And we can combine those efforts to do it more efficiently, quicker, with less management. Um, and and it's really something that the GCs and the owners are, are looking for you know, from a company that they can provide everything in one bundle. So what are the key metrics that you rely on to reveal how the company's performing today? Well, first of all, cash is king. Everyone knows cash is king. So I look at our cash flows by job. Uh, we do almost 3,000 jobs a year, so it's really important that we, we manage all the cash flows um, and make sure that, you know, all the billings are going out timely, making sure that um, obviously we're getting paid timely, and, and just to make sure that the AR is turning over. You know, we, we watch um, DSO, which is day sales outstanding, you know, by customer to make sure a customer isn't lagging. And, and if they are, then, you know, we'll usually confer with them to make sure there's any issues, with, you know, with their organization. But w I look at um, dashboards every day, which will tell me about the cash flows. But also tell me about our, our jobs backlog. And what that is is really um, revenue that you are going to get, meaning you've already contracted with the customer. You're going to be running this work at some point. But it shows me how much work that we have backlogged that, you know, that we will be doing. Because you, you could run into periods of time where you don't have enough backlog, backlog and you don't want to lay people off and you don't want people sitting around waiting for you to uh, you know, get awarded the next job. So it's important to make sure you manage the amount of work that you have and that you can consistently keep adding to the backlog and, and you can run a certain amount of work at any given time without any disruption or any stoppage in any particular place. There's other things that you look at. You look at the over and under billings, which is often a good indicator if there's production losses or gains on there. There's a whole lot of other things that can help me manage our equipment and our facility, you know, the repairs, and also manage it for capital purchases, uh, purposes, well, purchases or purposes. <laughs> so there's a lot of metrics that we use for different reasons, but they're probably at the top few that I'll, that I'll look at first thing in the morning every day. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your peers. I'd be curious about your finance leader peers within this industry. When you uh, compare notes, what is it exactly that they're uh, paying attention to? What is it that uh, uh, they're trying to distinguish themselves by? I think the ones that lead the industry, especially in this industry, are the ones that can create efficiencies. Um, there's too often that we create obstacles instead of removing the obstacles, you know, to create the efficiency. And I think that the leaders in this industry, and especially in, in our environment here, we're always looking, how do we remove the obstacle? And it, and it could be anything. It could be, um, whether it be something within the office or within something in the field, something that prevents you from doing your job efficiently. And because of there, there is, you know, such tight margins and such a competitive nature of the business, the person that can do it just a little bit more efficient is the ones that usually win the work and they're the ones that usually continue to grow.
Is there, like, what would be an obstacle? When you say that, I'm trying to imagine, is it is it the way the organization is set up? Is he streamlining uh, chains of command? Or is it is it could it be something, just a procedure that was great 20 years ago but is dated today? What would, what would an obstacle be? Uh, it could be a, a combination of all of them. One obstacle, I can just give you an obstacle for an example. I talked about that we can we can put together a whole bundle of you know package to to give to a um, you know a general contractor or an owner depending on whom we're working for, but if you have five different contractors or, or maybe ten or fifteen on one site at one time, and you bid a job that you have to put X amount of units in per hour to stay on budget, but you can't because that other contractor is in your way or they they run something that's in your way. Now you have to work around it. Um, any of those type of things can slow your productions down and, and cause you to lose money. But if you plan out the job correctly and, and, and you make sure in advance that you have a, a, a resource-loaded schedule that shows where you're going to be, when you're going to be, and you do your proper contract you know, due diligence, that you stay that any delays that you cause me, it's going to cost you. So why don't we get in front of this, put a good schedule together for everybody that's on site, mainly so it doesn't interrupt our work. And it's something that we do, and, and, and it takes both the collaboration between the office and the field because um, my team also reviews all the contracts, looks at the contracts, and we coordinate with the field so that they're looking over the scope of work. And between the two, we make sure that there, there isn't any obstacles that will prevent them from, from building the job as efficiently as it was bid. Now, is, has this company grown through organic growth, or has there been an acquisition? I know you've got uh, six locations today. Uh, maybe maybe one of them was through an acquisition, but w- what would you share with us? Yeah, there's, a, there's actually been very little M&A with uh, the Trium Group. It's mostly been growth. Now, at one point, the original owner who had started this um, organization 53 years ago, and unfortunately he passed almost exactly a, a year ago, um, passed last July, he had run the organization for 52 years. Um, he did sell it at one point for about a three-year uh, period to a large company, but they weren't running it the way that he would have run it, so he bought it back. <laughs> so he's he pretty much he, he's an entrepreneur like you couldn't imagine. He, he's been involved in so many things, very personable, very bright, and, and he's really done it just by investing in the right areas and investing in the right people that can help him grow the organization. Matt, we're now up to the part of the interview where I get to ask you for an aha moment, and what that is is that it's a strategic uh, insight that you may have experienced along the way in your career, one that uh, your unique lines of sight that you enjoy as a finance leader uh, provided you with those unique lines of sight into the organization, something you might have seen, an opportunity, or maybe it was a risk. What what comes to mind? Uh, I have a couple that come to mind, but there was a couple that I don't even know if you would consider them finance. Uh, well, they are finance indirectly or directly. The very first job that I'd worked for, the uh, we had a new executive director took over uh, the position uh, about about a year into my my career there, and she wanted change. She she brought in total quality management and people to train us on this, and and she wanted to change the whole culture and the way everything was um, analyzed, looked at. You know, she wanted to make it everything customer centric. But one other thing that she brought in was something called walk in my shoes. And this initiative allowed me to work with our admissions department at this hospital because I was so, you know, upset with them because I thought that they weren't getting the insurance information that they should be from the clients when they come in that would help us 
bill properly, which would help my cash flows, which I analyzed every day. Um, so when I went down and sat with them because I walked in their shoes and I only did it for one day, it really opened my eyes. I, I got to learn that it's not that easy to get information from somebody who comes in in a certain condition that they, they can't provide it. Uh, but so that enabled me to go back to our management and ask if I could hire somebody that would interview clients um, with family during visiting hours. And just by hiring a part-time person that worked four hours a day, uh, the, the woman that I hired did an unbelievable job of collecting the insurance information so that we could build timely and accurately. So our, you know, not only did will we build timely now, but our bills were going through, and it improved our cash flows immensely. So just a, a little program that I'd walk in. That was my first aha moment is, you know, don't think that someone's not doing their job because they probably are, and you just don't understand the obstacles that they have. So by, by going through that program and by, by sitting with the emissions department only one day, I, I got pretty good insight of what it takes and, and to realize that I needed to do something in addition to what they were doing to be able to get the information needed to, be, to improve our cash flows. I want to touch uh, on the subject of talent with you, and I'm interested in learning perhaps a little bit about the challenges within this sector, whether it's as competitive as others, and uh, every every industry seems to have its own special challenges. But uh, can you tell us, uh, from the perspective of the management team, is this something that uh, you've continued to study? Something that we look at all the time, especially in this industry. You know, this industry doesn't have the, the glamour that maybe um, – people coming out of their high school or college are looking for because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be tech savvy and things of that nature. And, um, but it is, there's so much technology in this business that, you know, we have to do a better job of promoting and encouraging. And we're doing a lot of that. We're reaching out to schools. Um, we're, we're doing displays. We're actually partnering up with different schools that do different things in a whole facet of things, uh, ways. Uh, we, we've gone to schools and helped build things and have the students work beside us. We have internships where we bring them in and, and, you know, and pay them to come and intern and work with us and see how this, this goes. Um, but we keep growing so much that it's, it's hard to replace them fast enough, and especially in a specialty trade like ours where you know, electricity is very dangerous. And so you have to, they have to go through a four-year training program, which we pay for. We train them to be electricians. And so when they come out of this program and they become a journeyman, they can make a lot of money at this. But, it, but it's like going to college. It, you know, it comes in and it takes a long time to gain those skills, uh, you know, enough skills that we, we can employ you in a higher level position where you're trusted to wire something up without, you know, with, independently without a lot of supervision. So you know, it, it's tough to attract them. And if, and if students really understood, people who maybe aren't you know, you know, designed for the college environment, what they could learn here and how much money they could make in a short period of time without having all that college debt, it would go a long way to, to en enhance our ability to attract their, you know, young students you know, fresh out of high school. In terms of health care, has the company uh, sought to distinguish itself in some way? Uh, that is actually one way we are distinguished. Uh, a lot of people that you know, may leave, they figure out the, they find out pretty quickly that the grass isn't greener on the other side. They may get, you know, a 50 cent, a dollar, two dollar raise per hour, whatever it is, they realize quickly that they've lessened their paycheck at the end of the week. Because, you know, we do such a good job of not only supplying the top health benefits that 
we don't charge as much as the others. I mean, everybody wants a you know a copay and you know the, the employee to pay a portion of their their health insurance, and we find out real quickly. And, and we don't ever shut the door on anybody who leaves. You know, we're, we're we're usually pretty receptive. If they go out, they test the market and they realize it's not for them. And so we we have a return rate that's unbelievable. People who have gone out and tried, but they're always welcome back in once they realize you know that the benefits and and uh, and, and other other um, things that we have here as far as the culture and the company vehicles, we always keep all the the equipment up to speed. So they have the top equipment they use to install things. They have the top vehicles to drive, things of that nature. It really does help us retain employees, or if they do leave, it helps us to get them back. Okay, we're going to move to our mentoring round questions, where I ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Believe it or not, it's the technology advances and all the technological advances and almost anything that, that you do at this point, uh, whether it be when I was talking about our vehicles and just how we're managing them now. We have we, we have um, large, high-voltage vehicles that with booms on them so that guys can go up and um, you know, fix wires you know, that are overhead and line trucks, things of these natures. So they don't sound real glamorous or real technology, but we have um, different devices in there that, that will report you know, the mileage, mileage by state, fuel usage, it'll report any type of um, reading on there if the, if the vehicle's running hot for some reason or if there's any, you know, if there's any code that's being flagged because of, you know, maintenance needed or, or if there's an issue. And the technology today is helping us be able to analyze things and, and data mine so much faster than you were able to, you know, 20, 30 years ago. That The, the technology overall is, is really exciting me. Did you add a data analytics specialist to the team or is that did you find a need for that or is that something you've learned along the way along with other members uh, believe it or not we actually have an analytics division here we have a division who provides analytics for other companies and it's not necessarily financial analytics um, though it can be it's generally for their building controls where they're not maximizing the use of their building or overusing um, either lighting or um, energy in some facet within their organization. So our analytics, you know, we do have an analytics division that does that, but internally I've had to train some people on how to, how to analyze things and what to look for and how to scrub a balance sheet and how to use the data and how to mine the data to find out if there's a problem or balance, a, you know, a general ledger account or what have you. So we've had to use a lot of different things and, I'm fortunate that my IT director is actually an engineer by education, so he's even very in tune to how we do this. And, and when he and I work on projects to develop, you know, data mining or other other needs like that, um, it's really refreshing to have someone who's bright and can look at the company and say, okay, this is what we need based on my education and based on his prior experience as working for as an engineer for the company 30 years ago. What do you wish someone had told you? at the start of your CFO career? <laughs> that, that's a great question. Um, I wish someone told me that it is more important to listen than to speak. Uh, you learn more when you listen uh, than, than going to speak. Um, but if you're going to speak, you should make it a question. And I wish someone had told me that earlier in my career that generous listening is more important than anything because you can learn a lot more and you can progress a lot faster if, if you listen well. Is there a personal you habit that you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? I would say it's commitment. Uh, more than anything, um, 
I'd say if you don't plan and you don't commit yourself to achieve a goal, you know, how will you ever know? How will you ever know if you succeeded? Um, and, and analogies if, if in this, the football, you know, if you play football and uh, you know that scoring a touchdown, and when you progress downfield, you've achieved the goal that you've set out to do. But that requires a lot of planning, you know, execution. You have to have the talent. But most of all, you have to have the commitment to win. So to me, the number one thing, that the personal habit that I believe that, that I've instilled is commitment. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Uh, I, I, read, I read a lot of books, and, and I, I really like reading books on leadership um, and leadership that specifically works you know, towards business. Uh, there's one book that stands out. It's called It's Your Ship, and I don't know if you've ever read that or not, but um, the, the captain of the ship, he, um, when he took over the ship, he said it was like a business with the latest technology, but it only had some of the productivity. And uh, he, had to, he realized that he had to improve his own leadership skills before he could improve the ship. So I thought it was really interesting, and it really led to me because of the things that he said he had to do. He had to uh, see the ship through the eyes of the crew. And he had to communicate, communicate, communicate was the, the, one of the most important things he said. And um, he said you had to create a discipline by focusing on purpose. So, And then the very last thing that he said was the most important. He said you have to listen aggressively. So really this book really meant more to me than most leadership or business books that I've read. Captain Michael Abrashoff is the author I see having just uh, Googled the book. Also, I have to ask... Uh, this next question uh, falls under work-life balance, uh, but we, we in fact have received a photo of you. At least we think it's you. It, it could be Elvis. Uh, your friends at CBiz uh, supplied us with some evidence having learned you were on our guest docket. And so, uh, listeners, take heed. Matt Monzo was the finalist in CBiz's annual CFO photo contest a while back. We need to ask you for the uh, the full scoop here. Uh, and uh, first, I imagine you're you're a CBiz client. Correct. Yeah, they're our auditing firm, and, and they 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 proposed this this contest. And honestly, I hadn't, I hadn't even seen it. Our um, somebody in one of our departments here had seen it, and they they went to my daughter who also works here as an accountant, and they proposed that they get a picture and they enter me in this contest. So. My daughter, who I had danced with previously, and I had danced with all three of my daughters, um, she then came to me and says, I better ask before we go ahead and do this. So she came to me and says, we'd like to get a picture of something that you've done for fun in the past or, or currently are doing and put this in this contest. And I said, oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I had no idea what they were actually going to choose. And then when I found out they took the picture of me playing Elvis and her dance recital, I thought that was pretty comical. Uh, and even me playing Elvis in her dance recital kind of came about in, in a weird way because the owner of the dance school had asked the prior year if she could get a couple dads to be stage props and stand in the background. We had to pretend like we were playing instruments so the girls could dance in front of us. We were just simply a stage prop. So she really enjoyed that. So the following year, she automatically signed me up for this Elvis role, and I thought, Elvis, like I didn't sign up for this. How did I get that? One of the other dads that had done it the year before as a stage prop with me, he says, oh, you're getting Elvis. That's so great. Well, how did you get that? I'm like, what do you mean? 
And he says, oh, you're signed up to play Elvis. And, and I said, well, you can take it. He goes, no, I'm already in the show. And I said, well, what are you? And he says, I'm Liberace. I said, Liberace? I said, what do you have to do for Liberace? And he goes, I have to sit in the corner and pretend like I'm playing a piano. I said, oh, just like we did last year, stage props. I said, oh, I'll do it then. I said, no, that's not the way it turned out. They wanted me to dance with 40 girls that were dressed up as Vegas showgirls as Elvis and lip sync to one of the Elvis songs. So it was quite interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, but more than anything, I got to, to spend every Sunday with my kids you know, doing this performance. So <laughs> I laughed because it was fun. It was a lot of fun. In honor of Matt being a finalist in CBiz's annual CFO Photo Contest, we'll now be featuring the award-winning photo on this episode's show notes page. Don't go away, listeners. Elvis is still in the building. We will be asking Matt to share his 12-month finance leader priorities after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Our final question, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Good question. <laughs> I, I guess the, the best answer I can give you is to finish each of the projects that I started where I'm trying to create efficiencies, to have them all of the ones that are in my queue right now, to have them done on time and on budget because it's so easy to let them drag out and it's so easy to spend extra money on them than, than is really necessary. So I guess my primary, my primary uh, goal over the next year is to finish all these projects that we have in the queue on time and on budget. Matt Monzo, thank you for joining us on CFO Phone Leader. Great, thank you. It's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs 
from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.